Hey, this is Britt Vargas, and I am the High School Ministry Associate Director at Calvary Community Church here in Westlake Village, California. And this is our HSM podcast. Thank you so much for checking us out today. I hope this encourages and inspires you. Here's today's message. Well, well, good evening and Happy New Year. Awesome, awesome, awesome. If you're meeting for the first time, my name is Aaron Kajum, I serve as a high school pastor. We are stoked for 2022, not just because it's a new year, but it's because it's a time for us to focus our hearts on what really matters, and that is God and the gospel. Now, if you're here and you have a New Year's resolution, please put up your hand real quick. Let's see. New Year's resolutions. Awesome, awesome, awesome. What we're doing here tonight is going to hit those resolutions like LeBron doing a slam dunk? No, like Jordan slam dunk? Westbrook? Oh, oh man. Oh, like some kind of a basketball reference. Yay! Like something like that, right? What we're trying to do right now is refocus our hearts on what really matters, and that is citizen culture. Citizen culture. And we decided as we walk through these first three weeks of the year to refocus our hearts on what really matters. Again, the question for us usually as people who are growing up or even people who are now at my age or even beyond is like, who am I? Why do I exist? What is my purpose? And how do I fit into God's big plan? And so the next three weeks, well, four weeks really because of winter camp in between, we're going to be talking about that. So I would encourage you this evening, if you are a note taker, take out your notes. If you're a person who writes in your phone, please do so because these points are going to change your life. Now, as we talk about what it means to be a citizen, something comes to your mind. I would imagine for many of you. In fact, many people would die to have American citizenship. And there's something about being a citizen that is key and important. But before we jump into that, let's look at some flags to do a really quick test to know if you know where these flags belong to. What country do these flags belong to? To which group of citizens does this group of flags belong to? So this one belongs to what country? What? Which one? Uganda, slam dunk. You were here in the morning, you're cheating, just kidding. Uganda, that's awesome, right? That's that one. That, that, that's a clear one, right? And then uh, there's another one that's going to come up on the screen that's right there. If you said Brexit, get out. I'm just kidding. Look, Brexit, no. Is it Britain? Is it Great Britain? or The United Kingdom, right? So it's the United Kingdom. And then there's one more we're going to look at on the screen real quick. And it's a hard one. What is that one? Mexico, Canada. Y'all need to stay in school. You need no winter break whatsoever, right? There is this one which is for the United States of America, right? United States of America. All these flags have a connotation. All these flags represent something. In fact, when we look at the American flag earlier in the 11 a.m. service, someone looked at the flag and said, there's not enough stars on that flag. All those stars represent something, represent a state. They represent something to every single one of us. People who have fought in the war represents freedom, right? And so these flags represent something to some people, meaning we are citizens and we belong to this country, belong to this flag, we belong to this nation, and there's things that it requires of us. See, the word citizen, as uh, described in Webster's Dictionary, it says, a person who legally belongs to a country and has rights, protection, and owes allegiance to that country, right? So we're all citizens of somewhere, and we belong to that place, we owe allegiance to, we're supposed to add value to, we owe something to that place, and we should expect something back from that place. 
Ladies and gentlemen, tonight we are going to talk about how we are made citizens of heaven by God's grace. And I would not, like, just to put it out there, there's many issues that happen in the world, right? And people talk about how there's issues in the world like what? Feeding, like, people who are hungry, right? I don't believe world hunger is the biggest issue in the crisis in the world. Like, I don't think so. I don't think war is the biggest issue in the world we live in. I think the biggest issue that we live in in our time is the issue of identity, Identity is by far the biggest issue facing the world. Like that's the biggest crisis ever. Why? Because you don't know who you are. If you don't understand what God has made you to be, then how do you know you're going to live? How do you know that you are, for example, using America as an example, how do you know that you have the right to freedom of speech? How do you know that? How do you even exercise all these rights that you have as an American? How much more for us as people who are believers, people who belong to Jesus? I believe that the biggest issue in the world is an identity crisis. And when we don't know who we are and who we serve and what our purpose is meant for, we give our lives to lesser things. And what we're doing today is actually remembering. We're going to take a journey through the book of Ephesians, just a few verses, chapter 1, verses 1 through 14, to talk about what God has called us to and what it means to be a believer looks like this. Have you guys seen this movie before? If you know it, shout out real quick when you see it on the screen. Is that Cinderella? No. What is it? Snow White. You're the best. What is it? What is it? The Lion King. Exactly. And in that particular scene, Mufasa is speaking to his son, Simba. And he goes, remember who you are. I know. It's just amazing, right? What we're doing tonight is remembering. Remembering what God has called us to. Remembering who we are called to be. And what it means to be children of God. So, again, if you have your Bibles, Ephesians 1, chapters, uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through 4 is when to kick it off this evening. I would encourage you to open up your Bibles there. And just take note, on the side I have some, let me just read this real quick so I can make sure it's the right thing. Buttered, naturally, naturally and artificially flavored. I don't know how that happens, but they made it happen. Pancake syrup and, what are these? Egos, egos. All right. Do you guys have these at your house? Sweet. If you do not, it's a new year. You can figure it out, right? Praise God for new years and new opportunities. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 4 says this. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And before I go on deeper, what's happening in this book of Ephesians is that Ephesus, this city, is a city in a time like ours where people are worshiping everything except God. Where power, sex, and money have taken center stage. I kid you not. The only company that has made more money in the pandemic than anything else, can you guess? Pornhub. Like, all kinds of money. What does that say about us? We worship sex. Like, do you think our countries are going broke in the middle of all this stuff that's happening? No. Money is abundant. Things are happening. We have homeless people on the streets. And yet people are spending weekends on yachts and just blowing off all kinds of money. We are in the same kind of a culture in Ephesus where they worship things. Now, they were what's called uh, a Hellenistic society, meaning they worshipped like the Greek gods. So Zeus and Helena and all these people, all these, these gods they believe that would give them something, that would add value to their lives. And you might say, I'm not like that. I don't sit on a hill somewhere and cross my legs and say, mm, I am one with the trees. You don't. Maybe you don't do that. And yet you might have erected other kinds of idols in your own heart. It might be a phone, it might be a friend, it might be a relationship. And I'll tell you right now, all those idols will fall and fail you. And so Paul is writing to this church. And he starts by saying in verse 3 again, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
who blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. The word underlined there is chose. Even if I stopped right there and said, that's the end of the sermon, go back home, like that would have been it. The God who owns everything, who needs nothing, chose you. This is not like when you have someone with you and you say, hey, oh, this guy's with me. Why is he with you? He's my cousin. I had to bring him along. Oh, dang it. Like, that's how, how life works, right? Sometimes you get the short end of the stick. That's not what's happening here. God said, you are my first pick. You are always going to be my pick. You are that important to me. To me, that causes me to rejoice. What does that cause to do? Like, what does that make you feel? How does that make you respond to God that in all the people in the world, he said, I'm choosing you. It makes us rejoice. God chose us. In fact, he says in the next verses, 1 and 5, Ephesians 1, 5, he says, He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. It was his will. He wasn't forced. Like, no one tied his hands behind him and said, you have to make this happen. No, he was, like, fully given to choose you. Another version says it was his good pleasure. Meaning you give God joy. For me, that's insane to think about. That I give the God who needs nothing at all, who existed before time, before, before time memorial, that I give him joy. He did it because it was his will. See, God chose us. And, he, and that also means that for us, we actually exist for a purpose. We exist for God's will. Another way to say it is this, that we are made on purpose for a purpose. It's not meaningless. This life doesn't have the light of the end of the tunnel, or like, no, there's more than just going to heaven. It's to be known by God, to be with God, to be in his will. Ephesians 1.1, like Paul, the apostle, he kicks us off by saying, this is how he opens the letter, right? Paul is a super apostle. He is gangster. How gangster is he? Ask me, how gangster is he? He's so gangster that he will go to a place, preach the gospel, they will kick him out, beat him, leave him dead. Literally, his homies go lay hands on him. He rises up from the dead and goes back to the same city to preach the gospel. That's gangster. If that's not gangster, I don't know what that is. Like, forget selling drugs. Forget all, like, no, he's for real, for real. Unafraid, fully given to the gospel, fully believing what God says he is and what he's supposed to do in his life. So this guy, this super apostle, he says that he's an apostle. Paul, an apostle of Christ, used by the will of God. Meaning he's fully trusting. He is who he is. Because what God has done, because God chose him, because God had pleasure in him. Ladies and gentlemen in this room, trust me, when I say this, you can take this to the bank. God loves you and he has chosen you and he's given you a purpose. You are made again on purpose for a purpose. Your life has meaning. Your life has meaning. It's not endless and aimless. It has meaning. You're made on purpose for a purpose. And what does that also mean for us? That if we're made on purpose for a purpose, then it doesn't matter when we start. There's no starting late. Oh, you got to do it when you're 20. Oh, man, I missed that one thing. Missed that opportunity. No, no, no. There's no missed opportunities. Everything has been laid out and planned out by God, by his will, for his, for his glory. And he says that because he's done so, your future is secure because God is good. See, if you don't trust that God is good, if you don't trust that he is for you, that he has loved you, he has chosen you, then you end up believing other things. In fact, you give your life to so many other things. That might be a relationship. 
that may be even just being on a high school team. Like, I have to make this team. If I don't make this team, I'm going to die, mom, please. Like, that's how you live in that small, that small moment, that small vision. And yet God says, I have much more for you, my child. These things that are happening right now are momentary trials. They pale in comparison to what God has for us as people who are citizens, who are part of the citizen culture. And we say citizen culture because culture means something, right? We've heard this said that we are for the culture. I don't know what that means for different people to be for the culture, right? Maybe that means I like Nikes, Nike culture, streetwear culture, whatever. But culture has a connotation that means there's normal things that happen within our culture. And when we begin to look at God and say, God, I, I don't want what you want for my life. I have my own culture I'm following. I have my own things I'm following. You become just like those Ephesians with those idols. In fact, in Romans chapter 1, Paul says this to the people in Rome. He says, claiming to be wise, people who decided not to look at God for their identity, not to look to God for purpose, not to look to God to tell them who they are and to bring security and safety. He says, these people claiming to be wise, because it seems to be wise, being in this room right now in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of all these things happening, doesn't make sense. Like, it doesn't make sense to come and worship with other people. You could be anywhere else, but the Bible says these people who claim to be wise, they erect these idols. Thinking that they're wise, they became foolish. Now, the biblical fool is someone who tries to go through life apart from God. That's basically it. If you read the Proverbs, a fool is, is responded and talked to and pointed out and directed to be someone who tries to go through life apart from the direction from God. So if you try to do that, biblically, you are a fool. You are not wise. And so wisdom calls out, the Bible says in Proverbs, wisdom calls out from the streets and says, hey, come to me. I want to give you all who I am. But doesn't Jesus do that to us? He's loved us and calls to us and wants to give us life. These people, being fools, it says they exchange the glory of the immortal God. The God who does not die, who is always ever living. For images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. My encouragement to you is this, and you, you might be in this place right now where you might have already exchanged the glory of God. You've exchanged the gifts of God. You've exchanged what God has given to you, his grace. You might exchange your identity. You might exchange even just the sanity of your home and where God has called you to for things that don't have meaning. And if you're in that place, there's hope for you. This is the center of the gospel that while we're in the middle of all these things, living in the place of darkness, God gives us the light. My encouragement is to you this. Don't exchange your purpose for a lesser thing. Don't give it up for something that's lesser. Ten minutes of pleasure is not worth the eternity that God has for us. It's really not. It's really not. He goes on in one five and says this, that he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. According to the purpose of his will. Now, when you hear the word adoption, something comes to your mind and for me, my wife and I last year actually began to foster uh, two, two, two kids, a little boy and a girl. They're actually siblings. We wanted to keep these families together. And to get to that point is not just, oh, I stand up and I'll take these kids to my house. No. What happens is you have to go through a process. You have to pay some kind of money. You have to do some classes, nine months over Zoom in 2020. What the heck? Why was I doing this? It was so hard, right? Then they check your bank account. They check who you are, all these different things. They come check out your house. They say you have to do other things. They, they're like, oh, you, your house is not child safe. You're like, oh, gosh, let's go buy more plastic things to cover, like, the electric holes. Like, you get all these things to prepare for these kids to come. Now, 
in comparison to us waiting for these kids to come, that we're not even going to adopt. Once these kids come, we, we love them. We enjoyed being with them. Some of you guys met some of our foster kids in the earlier part of January 2021. It was amazing. But what Christ did is much more than adoption. Like he is, is much more than this, this, this kind of a thing I'm talking about in my family where we're just fostering. You know, he brought us into the family. How much did it cost him to bring us into the family? In a few minutes, we're going to sing the song about how we are here to worship. And part of that song says, I'll never know. It goes, I'll never know. I'll never know how much it will cost. You'll never know. How much does it cost? Everything. How much are you worth to God? Everything. Every single thing. He poured like everything out. Nothing was left out. This is not like when you drink a soda and like, like oh my, there's ice still in there and you can like sip it out later. No, like there's like nothing. He gave everything of who he is. So much so he gave his life for you. You're worth that much to God. All to bring us into, the, into his family. To give us identity. See, our identity is rooted in Jesus because he chose us and he continues to choose us. Even though I mess up, even though I look weird, even though I do all these crazy things, he continues to choose me. He continues to choose you. 1, 6 to 7 tells us why he does this. He says, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has been blessed, which, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. That is a lot of wording. What does this mean? God gives us grace. What is grace? Grace is when God gives you something that you do not deserve. Now, what happens is, for example, I go to someone's house. Who's inviting me over to their house right now? Okay, I'm going to Mac's house right now. Thank you, Mac. Appreciate it. Love it. Awesome, awesome. At Mac's house, he likes to have breakfast for dinner. Is that true? Awesome. Breakfast for dinner. At your house, now you have egos. Welcome 2022. Blessings and favor. Like, here we go. Right? So 2022, we have all these, what are these? Egos. Thank you. We have all these egos. And I go to his table, sit down. The table is set. And I'm prepared to receive these egos that he's made Stir-fried, I don't think so. Microwaved, toasted, whatever. I sit down at the table and he goes, okay, Aaron, how much do you want of this maple syrup? I'm like, bet. Now, table is set. We're ready, right? Mac's about to give me some maple syrup on my egos, right? We're talking about how God gives what we don't deserve. What does this mean? That even though we are living in sin, even though we've broken God's heart, even though we've broken the law, he still says, I love you. I'm still going to choose you. That's insane to think about. Because normally in your life, when people hurt you, what do you do? You cut them off. Or you get back at them. You make their life harder. And yet Christ, God himself in the flesh, decided, even though we've messed up, we've broken his heart, I'm still going to love you. That's what he did for us. He doesn't give us grace. Now, we're back at Max's house, seated with my egos. And he starts pouring the maple syrup. I'm like, oh, sweet, awesome. My Mac, 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 that's a lot of maple syrup. Aaron, it's the best. You're going to need it. I'm like, what do you mean? And this is what God does. The Bible says that he has lavished 
grace upon us. What does that mean? That he continues to pour and pour and pour. You're like, God, that's too much grace. What if I mess up next week? You never know. I'm going to give you more, more grace just in case you need it. What about last year? Oh, don't worry about it. You know what? What about that thing I did to my mom and I cussed her out? I'm going to give you more grace because you're going to change your life. Like he just keeps pouring and lavishing and lavishing upon us. Now, does this make sense to you? Does this make sense to have all this maple syrup on these egos? It's insane. Like, it's so drippy. Sounds weird. Drippy. Right? There's just a lot of like, it's so much. It's so much. And that's how God has loved us. That even though we, we, we sin, past, present, future, he says, I cover it all with my blood. It doesn't matter what you've done in your life, what you're going to do in your life. I'm going to continue to cover you. I'm going to continue to forgive you, to love you, to bring into my family, to give you identity. Like that is insane to consider that God has done so much for us. Now, even, even looking at this imagery right now, some of you guys are like, dude, that's, that's way too much syrup. That's way too much syrup. Like it's way too much. And that's the truth. It's way too much. It's so much grace that God has given us. It's insane. See, we belong to the family of the beloved. He brought us into this family. He poured everything out so we could be part of his family. The family is called, again, the family of the beloved. Beloved. It's marked by love. That's what it's marked by. It's not marked by anger or getting back at us. No, God has said, I know what you are. I know where you are. I know what you've been doing. But I want to love you and bring you back into right order. I want to bring you back to we understand who you are. We understand your purpose. Again, that's in 1, 7 through 8. He goes, I lavished upon you this love. It's not, it's not only enough for that to happen. In verse 7 through 8, he says, says this. That in him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses. According to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. What does this mean again? It's not enough that he just, like, redeems us, which means you might say, I've used, like, 90% of this. He goes, okay, I'm going to give you back 100%. You're like, wait, 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 how do you do that? I'm going to give you back this percentage, like, as if it was never missing at all. 100%. I'm a, God, I've used 50% of your grace. No, no, no. I'm going to give it back to you 100% so you have a new beginning. That's why I love the new year. At the end of the new year, well, the end of the year, you have all this time to kind of like practice. The fact that we woke up this morning with breath in our lungs is amazing to know that God has given us another year, another 365, another 54 weeks to focus our hearts on him yet again, to trust him evermore. That's grace. That's amazing. He redeems us and he also forgives us. Redeeming means that it's like it never happened before. It's like you never slept around. Like you never cussed off people. It's like you never cheated on that test. It's like you never became a gossip. Like it's like you were never a person who was fighting with depression. Like he's like, dude, I know where you are. I know you're struggling right now, but I got you. And God has got us through all those things. In 1, 13 through 14, he continues to tell us this. He says, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, you are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is a guarantee of our inheritance. What does this mean? That once you believed Christ, he even sealed you. This means that there's literally nothing you can do that God will not say, hey, you know what? I, I, I can't deal with him right now. 
that Nathaniel guy, I, I, can't, I just can't deal. Like, we're not, we're not doing, we're not, do, he doesn't do that. He's not like, we're not doing this today. No. He goes, no, I, I, I know what you are. I know where you've been. I'm still going to continue to care for you. This is what God has done for us. This is the center of the gospel. That yo, though we were yet sinners, Christ still died for us. And he continues to lavish upon us this grace. This imagery we have right here is just a small picture of what God has done for us because he paid that price in blood. What does that mean for us? How do we respond to that? Knowing that this God who needs nothing has given us purpose, identity. He chose us because he wants us. We give him pleasure. What do we do? The only right response is worship. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, the Bible says, Paul speaking to Christians, people like us, people like you and me. And as the worship team comes up, he speaks these words. He goes, I beseech you, I beg you by the mercies of God. He's begging Christians. He's not begging unbelievers. He's begging people like you and me who've been in church, who've been at HSM, who've gone to a winter camp. He goes, I beseech you by the mercies of God because God has shown you great mercy because he has loved you to give your life as a living sacrifice. For some of you, this may be your first time hearing this message that God has given us freedom in him. That you don't have to be tied to your sin. You don't have to be tied to the things that hold you down. Like this is a freeing message for us to know that God, even in the new year and the day after, and the day after will continue to love us and to care for us and give us identity. Our proper response to such a God is to worship. And in the second set of our worship, we're going to sing a song, again, called Here I Am to Worship. I would encourage you to lean into that. Lean into that time of worship. Ask God to speak to you. Let that be a reality for you, that you're here to worship that God. And then there's some practical next steps, because literally we're living in remembrance. Like Mufasa spoke to his son Simba. He goes, remember who you are. How do we learn, how do we train ourselves to live in the, like, a sense of remembrance. We must be amongst people who remember all the time, who speak the words of God. Some of you guys have an FCA on your campus. Go to the FCA, be filled, hear from God. Like, use that prayer. Ask God, bring people in my life who speak to me. For some of us, we made it easy for you. We have small groups where you can jump in and join and connect and have a remembrance of who God is. Because many times we forget. We forget who God is. And we begin to lean on our anxieties and lean on these lies. Come to our cultivate nights we're going to be having here to refocus our hearts on God. My, I mean, here's an easy one. January 4th to the 17th, we have a ton of spots, right? Come to winter camp, bring a friend. Come to the 11 a.m., come to 5 p.m., bring a friend. Because that joy, this love, this grace doesn't stay only in one place. It goes everywhere else. It's meant to cover everyone around you. Allow the love of God to shape your life. Allow the love of God to give you identity. And allow him to give you purpose. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word, Lord God. And just the knowledge of the fact that you've chosen us. You didn't have to, but you loved to. It was a good pleasure. It gave you joy to choose us, Lord. That you give us purpose. And for all of us in this room, Lord God, who are struggling with identity... Not knowing who we are, Lord God, remind us through your word, remind us through people, remind us, Lord God, of your great love for us. And in return, ask, I ask, Lord, that you help my brothers and sisters give that love to other people. Let that be something that happens in their lives. 
Let's be a people who are full of love and give love to others so we may be able to live like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this, don't forget to subscribe and also check out past episodes. For more content from Calvary HSM or to connect with us, visit us on Instagram at CalvaryHSM805. Go live and love like Jesus.